December 4, 2020, it's a lot for Pedro Show. <laughs>
happy Friday, first Friday of December. Uh, started the show with, uh, yeah, John Coltrane doing an alternate version of Naima, take two. And, yeah, there was a clam or something, so they didn't finish it. They had to redo it. So even John Coltrane's bands blew clams, people. And then, uh, yeah, BMP Matt dot scum from Sediment Club. And people were still in Quentin Quartino mode, so Brother Matt at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south. But I'm not totally man alone because those engineers in Estonia with their incredible Scott invention, I got with me Austin Slade Julian. Welcome aboard, Austin. How's it going? It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and where are you talking to me from? Um, I'm talking to you from Queens, New York, in okay. uh, in my studio. Yeah, Queens, New York. Uh, maybe New York Dolls and Ramones and a lot of good music out of that town, or, or part of New York City, right? What's it I, called? A, a, a borough. It's a borough. We ain't uh, yeah, the borough of Queens. I'm in Sur- yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm in SoCal here, so we don't have boroughs, but I'm a little bit familiar. Uh, Austin, can you tell yeah. me your earliest musical memory? recollection oh well um my parents are both musicians so i grew up in a very uh uh you know music friendly household so i'd say like you know they were both like punks and stuff like that um uh my mom played in a band uh bush tetras and uh my dad uh plays guitar in a lot of different bands but started uh uh was a founding member of richard hell and the voidoids and they, you know, they didn't like push their punk agenda on me or anything, but I guess like my earliest memories are just like listening to music with them. And, you know, they're both passionate about, about all different kinds of music and things. So just those, you know, being in that environment, I would say, yeah. <laughs> so probably uh, hearing their music, Voidoid music, Bush Tetra music. Yeah, I I could say like one thing that was like, so when I was in like early, or I guess like yeah, early high school, I, I had like a disc man, and I would borrow my my parents' CDs and listen to it. And you know, I was like, I was into art and music, and I some kid like jacked my locker and like stole my like all my these CDs that I was kind of borrowing, and I got kind of in trouble because I would carry the booklet with all the CDs in it because I wanted to listen to a bunch of different stuff, and it wasn't the brightest thing, you know what I mean? I was like a kid, and so I, I had to save up and buy all this music back because my parents were like, yo, like <laughs> you have to do that. Like, so I, but it like helped, like that's kind of a big trajectory for me. Like I rediscovered and kind of, I would go to FYE and I was like working like little odd, odd jobs and things like after school and stuff um, for like family friends. So I, I had like, you know, I would save up and then buy CDs and listen to them and kind of, it, it got me into like the music that, I'm in today to kind of like explore music that way. Yeah, step I, got, by step. I got to tell you, your pop, incredible guitar man and big influence on uh, D Boone, Minuteman guitarist, Bob Quine too, oh. but your pop, I mean, the way those two guys played together and uh, incredible. I, I, I first got to see your pop play. Richard Hill finally played on the West coast. You know, they wouldn't come out for many years and finally maybe 82 or something. They come to whiskey. And Bob Quine wasn't with him. And in fact, your pop had a band that kind of opened up for Richard Hell. He was in both bands. Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> the name so uh, right now because of my, my fucked up memory. But 
Uh, let me ask you. So, obviously, there must have been some guitars in the pad, right? Because your pop played them and, and, and your ma, too. And so, uh, did you get on the guitar early? I Yeah, I was, I was, I painted and drew since I was, like, very young. And that was in when I was early living with my parents as, like, a kid. That was, like, my main, I would do that every day. But I always, like, had a kind of, I don't know, I had a, maybe, like, uh, can I, I, I can't curse on this, right? Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, okay. It's a lot for like, Pedro like, show. There's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. Okay. <laughs> I had kind of like an ass backwards way of doing that. Like it took me a long time to realize, like, cause I would play without plugging in the instruments that you could only kind of like pluck the strings on one side of your other hand, but stuff like that. I, I, I kind of like fell into it with a little bit of like an antagonistic ass backwards kind of thing. And I think my parents, you know, they were like, so like do your thing, like, you know, and stuff. And they, you know, they like were down with experimental stuff, but I think, you know, I never had like proper lessons. I also kind of had space to explore on my own and kind of do my weird thing and learn on my own how to like feel comfortable with that and having the materials. I mean, that it's not like we had a ton of money other than all this musical stuff around. Like that was like, you know, a huge cradle and window for me to like, you know, see the world through and, and, uh, build my creative stuff or whatever. <laughs> yeah. What about school? Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that? No, they, there was music in my high school, but they, uh, they cut it the year before yeah. I, I went there. Cause like in, in the public schools in New York, they were cutting a lot of the arts and things. And though this wasn't like an arts public school, they like were slashing, like it was called art and design and they like slash design out of the whole thing. It's like, uh, you know, butcher shop of uh, funding, you know, and stuff like that. So they <laughs> there was locked instruments in a room that you could see, but you couldn't ever get to or anything. <laughs> oh man, like a big taunt. Well, that's why I ask about that because I've, that's that story, very common story going around. Uh, what about? So you had no like lessons, right? You're just finding out on your own. Uh, yeah. What about friends? Did you start like the, you know the bedroom band, the garage band, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, Sediment Club uh, was a band that I was in for like eleven years, um, and we started when I was when I was just out of high school, and um, definitely like there was this community going on, and it relates to a lot of like the DIY community that's uh, in New York now, where when I was you know, in high school and, and a little before that, Bloomberg, the mayor at the time, made it very strict for, like, uh, IDing people to get into clubs, and 21 Plus was really enforced. So a lot of young people couldn't go see music because a lot of the bars used to be, like, it used to be very loose. And, you, you know, I would see, go to shows that my parents were playing at places that were, like, under, like, scummy bars or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. places that would matter. But and it, it got really strict, so out of that environment came this kind of like silent barn and some of these places started to pop up in the outer boroughs and like in Brooklyn and things in Queens. And these places were facilitating this kind of weird community. And it was, there was a lot of indie music and stuff, which wasn't totally the kind of music that I was, it, it was a little straightforward for me, but I think this community was very fostering. So I, I would go to these shows after, 
school sometimes and there were a lot of young people my age that I didn't go to high school with directly but that were like making like kind of interesting music and kind of like creating this environment that felt like it was possible for me to like you know play because like to be frank like I was only listening to music from like from your era and I didn't think mu music was something that I could get into because the stuff that was mainstream that was contemporary despite some things just didn't you know before being part of that smaller community didn't relate to me and I thought it was like commercial and sure. inaccessible or whatever you know you're, you're you're saying like the stuff that was contemporary was Mersh but believe me it's always been that way <laughs> most of the stuff <laughs> yeah because I'm 13 in 1970 there was a lot of Mersh shit then too of course that's not the stuff you want to remember <laughs> yeah but that is a big problem that is I, look I want to play this uh tune by you apex 600 <laughs> Ah. Uh -huh. 
I stay on my feet. Only time I'm on my knees is when I pray to the east. Move across the 6,371 kilometers. She say you start still stuck under a rock. Pussy pink like passion, passion pushed us. She swayed me so I hit it till the morning. It's more than a physical attraction. Easier to detach when you don't see nothing after. So the memory of that ass last pass. Park it on my lap then. It's going up like an accent. Let's make something happen. Deeper than the grave, inside where I lay, reincarnate. Get a new bitch, like a father, a new bitch. She ain't lost and I ain't losing, we both moving. Around the world, I look but still can't find. Around the world, I look but still can't find. Around the world, I look but still can't find. Around the world, I look but Waves crashing now, nine away when she passed me. Do you love me? Just asking. Cause the hurt we choose to mask it in pursuit of what we want. Like a robbery. I ain't looking no more at the lottery. Feel like Abraham because it's all in me. Use boulders on my shoulders cause it's all on me. Accountability. Can count the times you've been for me. I'll be there for you till infinity. Our story ain't no mystery. So no longer will we wallow. So no longer can we wallow. So no longer will we wallow. Following our misery Around the world I look and still can't find Around the world I look and still can't find Around the world I look and still can't find Around the world I, I Cigarettes and heart attacks, like coffee and pain. She got a motel baby with a motel table, like my coffee black with salt and pepper. Well, sure, things began with needs for coffee. Coffee in my mug, then I put my... Coffee in my mug, then I put my... Coffee in my mug, I found my body swimming in coffee. Super full your collar when you dropped it into my coffee. What happened to that suitcase? I got stuck in traffic with an empty rusty coffee cup. What kind of coffee do you like? She got hot coffee, piece of the cake. She went off work just to make that mistake. A remote to bring my coffee and the ceiling fell in. And now the days I go, where are you, Lord? Because I need you like a morning need my coffee. I can see myself 
in video. I drink dark black coffee in the shower on my own. So wait a minute, dude. If they told you that this would be your favorite song, hearing this song would make you want to go and get coffee. All I need is coffee and a table. All I need is coffee and a table. You made me breakfast, then you brought me coffee. What happened to that suitcase? And what cups of coffee? Yeah, really warm. Like cigarettes and heart attacks. Coffee and pain. I wish I had the mind of a coffee bean. All I can think of is me to drink some coffee, yeah. Well, coffee goes cold coming out of the kitchen. A few more cups of coffee, yeah, a little warm. Like cigarettes and heart attacks, like coffee and pain. She got a motel baby with a motel table, like my coffee black with salt and pepper. Well, sure, things began with the meats for coffee. Coffee in my mug, then I put my... Coffee in my mug, then I put my... Coffee in my mug, I found my body swimming in coffee. Super folded your collar when you dropped it into my coffee. What happened to that suitcase? I got stuck in traffic with an empty old rusty coffee cup. What kind of coffee do you like? She got hot coffee, piece of the cake. She went off work just to make that mistake. A remote to bring my coffee and the ceiling fell in. And how the days I go, where are you, Lord? Because I need you like a morning need my coffee to see myself video or drink dark black coffee in the shower on my own. So wait a minute, too. If they told you that this would be your favorite song, hearing this song would make you want to go and get coffee. All I need is coffee and a table. All I need is coffee and a table. You made me breakfast, then you brought me coffee. What happened to that suitcase? A few more cups of coffee, yeah, a little warm. Like cigarettes and heart attacks. Like coffee and pain.
Pit hair. I began to distrust porn. Said if you were going to hold my head, it was because I wanted you to. Neither of us came from families that made romantic speeches or went to church. Love was somewhat discovered behind the bins at Morrison, came in litres from the corner shop. Something we were told we weren't old enough to have. So when the time came, I spoke the alphabet and hope that God, or whoever, could make up the words. Held your orgasm on the tip of my tongue. In your bedroom, my voice was holy. Time to play. She moans and asks me, babe, what am I going to 
Live from Pedro Show. Yeah, Apex 600. And this is by Sunk Heaven. So this is after Sediment. And we'll, we'll get to this, what happened to Sediment Club and stuff. Sunk Heaven. But then Nappy Nappa after that with Love It's Not Far. And that's brand new solo album, Nappy Nappa out of D.C. A 38 Angry Tigers from around the same area, Coffee and Pain. Uh, Bomas Prendon, Connect, right there. I turned on my television. Harper and Roos in St. George. Frontier Knowledge. This is from the late 60s. Uh, uh, Delia Derbyshire is part of this, and she was a big pioneer in electronic music before synthesizers, cutting tape and shit. Uh, Sophie Safaram and Christopher Gregory with Like a Prayer. Johnny Mark and the Ricks, Living with the Devil. That's featuring uh, Frankie Almond from the late great Suburban Lawns. We lost him from a stroke couple years ago. Agnes Steck out of Austin. Who hired hell? Axel Rod from Quack Quack out of Leeds. Dream of San Pedro from Dokes. Kill Rockstar's putting a, a vinyl version of Ostamenta Trace real soon. Richard Hell with You Gotta Lose. This is from his first 7-inch. There was an ad in uh, Cream Magazine that said, call hell. So I called, and when his voice was on the phone, I got scared and hung up. <laughs> so I never got to speak to him until like 30 years later. Uh, so Kevin, finally, this was it. So, yeah, what? Ha- well, tell me about the first Sediment Club gig. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so when I I told you like I when we started, I had just left high school and I went to uh, I got into this college Bard College of State, but uh, my bandmates were younger than me, so I set up two gigs that were like maybe in the same week and we like formed kind of in preparation of these two i had like set up this show at my school and i didn't really know how to do that but i was like a vague idea i just started going there and then the bowery poetry club which now i think is like this kind of like hellhole it used to be like a place they would just let kids have more or less like matinee shows and i had gone there a few times to see shows as a as a younger kid or whatever. So, um, and they were like long standing. I think they got bought corporately like later on, but, um, yeah, it was interesting. I don't know. We, we, I think it was, we used to be a four piece. The recording that you played before was, uh, from our last albums that was from 2018. So that was like a, as a trio, but as a four piece, we were all people that like were part of this community. But I think, I think we had like, we stratificated audiences and, some people really liked it and some people really didn't. And, and that's great. I think like people need to have severe, uh, you know, uh, reactions to things. I think if people are in the middle about something, then it's not really doing its job. So it was, it was <laughs> basically it was a, a lot of cheers and a lot of booze simultaneously. It was a polarizing event. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think like, you know, I didn't really, I think maybe our, our drummer, Jackie McDermott was like, one of the only people that like, like our bassist, like the rhythm section knew how to play instruments. I didn't know really like I had just learned that skill that you could play on one side while your amp is plugged in. And then, you know, I, I'd been practicing for a while, but I was, I was, I was just trying to make people's ears bleed and stuff and <laughs> express, ex, you know, experimental things. So I think, I think, it, you know, it was cool. It was good as a teenager. It was fun. Some people, yeah, like had a problem, but that that was okay because in the end, like 
It's yeah. their problem. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, their I'm problem. curious. <laughs> what, what about the material? Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I, I had, so it was like I had written the songs with my friend Vishal, who ended up not being in the band permanently, and we had like formed our own different projects. But uh, like in math class, I would write these weird lyrics, and then like you know, kind of put just like I, I listened to a lot of like yeah, like DNA and like oh, like yeah. all kinds of stuff, and like Paravu and that, and like different you know soul and and you know uh yeah experimental stuff and like I, I was trying to like kind of put that together into something and we all were just kind of in this weird community but like i kind of cold called a, a few you know my friend lazar who now is like one of my best friends is like somebody that like i just kind of sent a text i was like yo like i've seen you play a bass before i don't know you know i'm trying to figure this out and yeah like we you know, we're all from New York City, and it's over the last 20 years, New York has been really, you know, really, like, destroyed by, like, gentrification and class warfare, and, you know, you know, America is being destroyed by, like, racial warfare and, like, white supremacy and stuff, and just in general, the anti-human decimation, so I think, like, in general, and it's, I think with Sediment Club, I was trying to, like, make like a rock reaction to uh the Im imminent demise of uh the american society and like the anguish that it, it harbors and uh <laughs> the situations that it creates you know yeah yeah i understand yeah you i was going to say reaction to the situation what i was curious about though because we were young me and d boone we wasted so much time trying to copy songs so it's interesting that you start creating your own tunes right off the bat instead of trying to copy. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't. I, I learned a few songs, uh, you know, learning how to play guitar, but we would do covers and, and just, it was like a challenge to, to fuck them up as much as possible. It was kind of like, you know, like, a, like, like, you know, it's like painting or something, you know, like you could do like a rendition of like a classic painting, but you wouldn't want to just do it by numbers. You'd want to, you know what I mean? Like, that was where I was coming from. It was kind of like, yeah, like, I, you know, because there were a lot of, like, trained or, like, people that wanted to be musicians, but I always felt a little bit, like, off-put by some of that energy that at least came from my situation where people were just, like, a little snobby. It was, like, a social structure, and, I, you know, I was, like, pretty heavily... People were, like, making fun of me, and, and at that time I was, like bullied a lot in middle school pretty violently and stuff you know so like I always had this kind of like antagonistic view of like social hierarchy and things and like wanting to dismantle that kind of like antagonize people you know what I mean just like kind of make sure make a ruckus and just deconstruct that because you're kind of giving in if, uh, yeah. to conformity by saying oh the real way to play music is to copy these other success quote success unquote stories instead of trying to just let the freak flag fly and find your own way. Yeah, and I think like the accessibility of like what I see from from my perspective and generation, it's like what the punk world was. You know, it's like anyone should be able to do this. It's, we're all part of this whole situation. Like anyone should be able to pick up an instrument and express themselves. It's all valid because it's all part of the same thing like you know like you should you know it's a, it, it should just be a process and what you, people should be like 
enjoying engaging isn't the the technical scale of this or that Absolutely. necessarily. I mean, it should it should be the like the emotion and stuff. But you know, this is all subjective, like opinion. No, no, no. It's good stuff. Now, and speaking of processes, the process of Sediment Club. You said eleven years, but it ran its yeah. course. What happened? Ele- eleven years, and we lived in the same city for maybe an accumulative eight months <laughs> because like I was in school and they were in New York city and then they both like, you know, are different ages and went to school up where I was. And then I graduated and then our drummer dropped out. And then, uh, Amina who played keyboard for four years of it left the band when we kind of all just like the, the other three of us, left New York. Like I moved to Rhode Island for three months for creative reasons. I just finished school and couldn't financially make it make sense. I mean, I think if I had more like skills of understanding and more of a community, I think, or something like maybe I could have made New York work then. And there's times where I think, Oh, like if I had done that, I could be in like, I would have had my foot settled there more because I'm here now, but you can't look back and like in the sure, end. Sure, sure, sure. So, so the the, the big picture was it was an eleven solid years. There was a lot of holes in there, and you're talking about a bard up the river in Annadale, right? Oh yeah, I am. But you know, we were a band the whole time. We just lived in different places. Yeah, so we the, would travel to rehearse. We toured constantly. It was very solidly. We were we were very active. We put out like a bunch of records and. We we toured with this band Gorilla Toss that were like very like kindred of our time amongst like a lot of others like the Dreebs and like you know we played with like a lot of the you know my contemporaries now like Dream Crusher and like Boy Harsher and these these bands that are like you know yeah like very much you know Ono and this very solid community of of experimental interesting contemporary music like. I think now it's like I don't I don't I don't know comparatively, but like I I'd imagine that like New York was a mecca then, and it, it, there's not really a place like that now. People before COVID and before now, we're all enough to rethink this. But the touring, the idea of traveling in these communities that are all spread out all, all over the nation, you know, like I like very close friends that lived across the country, and it was kind of like you would travel a lot through music and you would see them, you know, like pretty regular, like semi-regularly, like they would travel to you or there like once a month or like whatever, you know, and I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was, a, we, we created a music in this kind of strange situation. And I think it was, it was positive, you know, it sounds great, man. We're at the end of the first hour, okay. December 4, 2020, Dish Pedro show. Special guest Austin Slay Julian. Hold tight for our two. Uh, December 4, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Alan Aaron, people. Watt was an idiot. Yeah, let me read you all them fucking ba uh, bands again. Uh, Dud Tech from Sun Kevin. Sam Bennett with Swamp Root Liver Cure. Eiko Ishibashi with Born Story. On the particulars, Jerome Parker Wells. Hototo Gisu from Waku Waku Kingdom. And finally, Fortitude from Sun Kevin. Okay, I got that. <laughs> yeah, still room for pilot air. People can't blame the machinery on this because what? Hit, forgot to hit the record button. But uh, what, what, what um, me and Austin were relating was um, Sediment Club ran its course. And so he started a new proj, what we've been playing here, Sunk Kevin. So we're going to get into that. Austin, tell us. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is definitely some overlap where, like, I Sunk Kevin is just myself. And, um, you know, I was, again, we were living in different places. I was living at a venue that I was running shows out of in Providence. And I was booking a lot. And... You know, in Providence, like a big part of that music scene is like the like noise and ex experimental, like kind of like harsh electronics and things. And, and as much as that was always in my periphery and, you know, my friend Vishal, who was like this kind of boy genius person that I early on played music with, like taught me about no input and things. These were things I experimented with, but like mostly on my own. But moving to Providence, I, there was a lot of outlets to be able to to play that and there were a lot of people that toured through that were doing that and you know it was very influential for me to to be a part of that music scene so i started kind of changing because i have this other solo project called 973 future youth that's more like cartoon garbage noise you know or something uh, Austin, which is I, great can, can i ask yeah. you what is the idea of no input it's so you're like plugging like you're plugging your mixer into itself and you're creating feedback and you know, you're, you're affecting that within ah, the mixer. Okay. I understand. You're creating right. sound with that. Yeah. That's all. It's really. a, the, 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 the thing mixing music is actually producing the sound. So self, self yeah, it's, it's like you're, you're generating the sounds with the equipment in and of itself. You're not, you know, I use instruments and in all the, all things I can and build instruments and stuff for that. But like, just like, you know, the, that kind of harsh, like, you know, also just playing, like making that amount of sound on your own and being self-reliant. And, you know, it, it was influential, like kind of starting shows and doing that in Providence. And that's where Sunk Heaven kind of came from. And I, I there was this thing. So I, I lived in Providence and in Boston, there was this thing called like Alston Christmas, yeah. where like all the leases ended on August 31st. Like, so all the students were moving around with throw all this crazy shit. And I would say that I went there, got like a drum machine and a bunch of pedals. And that's kind of how Sunk Heaven started. Because before that, I didn't have a ton. And that's another thing. You kind of need the equipment and stuff. So I got like a mixer and some things. And it's like, okay, so I have this now. I can kind of like delve in and, you know, work, experiment with this kind of stuff. And, it, you know... I, is that the, it's been like eight years, I think, with with some Kevin. But, uh, you know, I think while I was doing both, it was harder to focus on that. And now that the, the last two years, I've been able to really focus on some Kevin and the performance element and really like bring it to some something that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of. And thanks. So. Tell me tell me about the first Sun Kevin gig. <laughs> uh, I think it was actually a weird, a weird one. It was like. I lived in this space in Providence that didn't have heat. 
and it was like mid-November or something. It was cold. It was very cold. And it was the first day that it was like this cold and I was hosting a show and I, I needed something to like make it work. And, you know, so I, 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 you know, my room was right off of the stage or whatever, the room that the performances were in. So I like had like some costume and got into the costume and went out and performed. And, you know, it was the, they're much more supportive than the beginning of Sediment Club, I would say, like. The people were pretty supportive. I mean, it's a it's a small community, and within that comes it's like small politics and things. But m- a majority of people were like super supportive and great. And you know, I would say like, yeah, I was like, I didn't I didn't move there knowing really more than like three or four people, and ended up meeting a lot of really great people. It was, it was very good. So now, yeah, now, now, now that gig that was a one man gig that was you you alone, right? Me alone, yeah, trying to to work with garbage electronics that I just found <laughs> a few months before. In, so. in, in a, yeah, it was donated from some college students, right? It was in a dumpster. It was all like they would just well throw donate. Away donate's a word we like, use here as a like a positive spin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, they they were they were philanthropists <laughs> donating their their right. Well, what what, what kind yeah. of costume? What kind of costume? Um, I, I like had some, I like a stocking, I think, and face paint underneath. And I kind of like <laughs> did some stuff with that and yeah, just like some, some, some kind of thing. I, it's hard to remember, but I remember that sure. that I had like face covering and stuff. Sure. Uh, I want to play a uh, red crossing.
must be easy not to worry about anything. No, actually, it takes a lot of work. Euphemisms will not serve, but bartenders will. And no respite, take some friendly advice.
For Pedro show, just found out Austin told me it's his B day. Happy B day, Austin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, maybe you should have mentioned it. At some You're point a December. Well, I'm a December cat too. I'm the twentieth. And oh, uh, nice, cool. So another trip around the sun for you. Okay. Or, or you could say the start. No one. We heard uh, Red Crossing from Song Kevin. Then uh, Germanata Youth with uh, Magellan Barbecue. <laughs> it's terrible. You know, he, he never made it. You know. Right, his crew made the world voyage in the Philippines. He got killed. And shit. Uh, Thomas Squat uh, Quintet out of Liverpool with Ghost of New Orleans. The January is with Moments of Knowing. The Elegant Solution with from the World Inferno Friendship Society. Neutrals with Motorcycle Cop. Emmer after Tron. Uh, make some more friends from Tolem. And finally, Eye on the Thumb. From Sunk Heaven. So, uh, when, when you're composing for Sunk Heaven, do you make demos? Or, or you just, whatever, you know, you start your, um, I don't know, improvisation or something, and then you just capture that? I think, like, it's kind of like a little bit of a mix. I, you know, I, uh, I, I write lyrics and think, you know, of, like, melodies and things like often and like write them down, but then I'm also like playing them off of experimentations with like, I have like a keyboard that I can uh, program sounds on and things and kind of play around with. And, you know, just like a mixture of those kind of things. Uh, My like recording process has been changing a lot over the past few years. Like normally uh, I would just record off of my computer or just do things in a very like, lo-fi way because the the immediacy of it was important to me but uh yeah i mean i I, i've been i've been i've been working in the studio and that's been really nice um a lot of the newer recordings are from um you know i work with my uh my actually my old roommate from providence that has a studio black lace and they've they've pretty much like mastered pretty much any you know, Sediment Club and Sunk Heaven and, and, and done a lot of work with me and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well you, well, you know, Providence has an old tradition. I, th- I think the talk, Talking Heads went to RISD. There's a, uh, yeah. And then so. there was the Six Finger Satellite. I remember doing a gig with Fugazi at RISD on the campus. I mean, it was always on the tour circuit. That, so, And it ain't that far. It's kind of in between uh, Boston and New York City. So there was yeah. stuff going through there. I'm, I'm, I'm interested... 
you say the words come first? Sometimes, yeah. I think a, a lot of the time, I always thought of it as like a framework for like like a certain kind of poetry or something like that. But it, it's like a mixture. Like sometimes like a song or a melody or just like a kind of feeling would come first or something, you know? Um, but sometimes I have like lyrics and I'm like, okay, like this work with this, like, you know, I'll like have the lyrics next to me while experimenting with sounds and kind of, you know, play off of one thing or the other. Yeah. So there is a kind of circumstance, like a things coming together because yeah, they just do. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 that's the way I kind of use photography. I can't set up shots. I'm just lucky to have the camera ready if something good comes. Yeah, photography is such an interesting. Like, my my wife's a photographer, um, and uh, you know, just playing on the on the situation in the moment and the different different ways where that really just makes everyone's trigger finger different. Every photographer different, you know, right. whatever. Some people are really control freaky about it, right? Just only in their studio with their lights. And other people, they go out like me, you know, out and around. And, hey, maybe nature will bring me a fucking picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, call, I call them eye gifts. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, December 4, 2020 edition. Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, Austin Slade Julian. Hold tight for hour three. December 4, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
show we start off the third hour with skeleton sunk heaven and for no one from tragic comedy and then a nameless influence sunk heaven so you're telling me you're doing a 
you're talking right now from your studio in Queens. Yeah. So is this also a practice pad? Um, it's more of, I, I record here, but it's more of a, um, for me, it's more of an art studio and a place to like kind of, uh, build instruments and things. Um, I have some like exciting to be announced, I guess, officially, uh, things coming up, uh, next year where I'll need the space to kind of build instruments and things. So, um, exciting stuff, but I'm, I'm here you know, working on collages and different things. Um, I have, uh, I have a record coming out, an LP. That's actually where a nameless influence and, uh, fortitude are both, um, um, going to be released from, uh, is, uh, this upcoming LP, uh, on American dreams records, which I'm, I'm super excited for. Um, and all of this will be announced, uh, announced soon but uh i i'm making collages for the album art um for the for this lp and yeah i don't know just it's not i've never had an art studio before i actually just recently acquired it and um i have space with friends and it, it's it's very nice so so it's kind of a work um, it's kind of a workshop that yeah because you do visual art too how, how how does sound and visual intersect in your world your view your mind um they're very i feel like often very interrelated interrelated like um i don't know i for me i feel like i've often used music to like influence while i'm drawing and and vice versa like visually played like you know i feel like they're they're two sides of the same coin for me and one like really couldn't exist without the other you know I also like make video art and and make music videos, and with that, like I think that's like the hybridization of those two um, sides of the same coin, you know. Yeah, have you ever been influenced by other people's visual art? Oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I, I you know, um, yeah. I mean, I would say like different downtown artists like you know Basquiat is like a big influence of mine I try not to like you know I also for me music weirdly is a big visual influence almost you know I mean I like contemporary art a lot but I for me it's like like translating a lot of the time and I'm like emotively I feel like music speaks to me very strongly and almost the most you know what about reading? I love singing. Oh, sorry. What about reading? Um, in L- high school, I read a lot. Yeah, um, like literature. Time, like, li- but... you ever get music ideas from reading uh, literature or some shit? Yeah, definitely. I I would say so. Um, like, yeah, definitely. Um, The Master and Marguerite was a book that I ah, read. that's a great book. Yeah, and like that, like I know that there's music that's been influenced by that book too. So, like on to, to spare cliches, it definitely Misha was something. Where was... Yeah, the Master and Margarita. That is a great book, man. Wow, yeah. I would love to hear some of your music that comes out of you reading that. Wow, that would be great because <laughs> that story is a trip, man. That is a trippy story. Uh, I want to play "Swam Too Deep."
VHS tape. So when I was living with them, I like wrote the song. It's kind of about like surviving drowning, but like you just kind of taking it to another level too and just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> taking from wherever you can, collaging weird things and weird concepts together and things like that, you know? I think that's what art's for is it's mixing things up to, yeah, as yeah. you can get different kinds of in, understanding <laughs> that what a so-called reality can't bring us. Uh, people, yeah, totally. me, me and Austin are, are discussing uh, what uh, went into his Swam Too Deep song, Kevin. Then we heard Wayne Pete Ensemble doing uh, Bring It's Part 1. And finally, Song Cabin with L-E-A-V Opalescent Luminescent. That's a trippy title. <laughs> so it's not its not actually leave. It's an acronym, right? Yeah, but I don't know what it's for. It okay. is kind of leave. It's supposed to be leave, but it's supposed to be an acronym too. But it's, it's not intentionally an acronym for anything. Um, but I guess that one's pretty abstract. I, like, I'd say it's more about like... Um, suffocating light, I guess. <laughs> that's a good concept. That's that's all I can think of, of as like a like a word way to describe what that song is for. Well, Some of them are much more poetic. No, but, but it makes sense. I mean, the other two was about drowning. This one's about suffocating. <laughs> almost, almost, it didn't happen. Pert near. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, where can people find you on the internet, Austin? Um. You can find me on sunkevin.bandcamp.com. You can find most of my music there. I'm also on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, but isn't Instagram. isn't there a, isn't there an Austin Slade Julian website? There is. Yes. Um, you can find all of my art and all of my like musical projects and updates on austinslatejulian.com. And you go in there's performance and video, and you can search and find everything there. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I looked at it and it was happening. Uh, people, that's A-U-S-T-I-N-S-L-E-Y-J-U-L-I-A-N. Check it out. Dot com, right? And, Dot com, yeah. 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 And, uh, and so you say you got a new album coming out. And uh, are you, are you know, it's kind of weird, but some people still make videos for their songs. And you well, do, actually, it's funny you say that because yeah. um, another aspect of this upcoming album is I'm going to, all 10 songs are going to have music videos associated with them. So in the coming weeks, I've been working on them all this fall and I have like collaborated with a bunch of friends. So like a bunch of them, my wife is actually directing one and um, uh, my, my wife, Rachel Euler, who's a, who's a photographer to plug, plug, plug the people close to me and everything. Oh, it's okay. Um, it's okay. So you're, you're going to uh, make 10 videos, yeah. 10 videos. I'm directing two. And then um, Ani from Alberta is directing one. Um, my friend who plays is Pamela Anderson's is directing one. A lot of people, Samantha Riot is directing one. It's going to be a steady release of these videos, and then they'll come in a DVD with the LP and a special great. edition. Now, do you find that the tunes kind of reinvent themselves when they have a video version? I think um, I think that can really depend. I think. I think videos can can be kind of framework, or they can, yeah, they can heighten a, a, a song. They could they could only really truly exist in their truest form with the video component. In some cases, it really depends on all those factors, you know. Yeah, but what, how are you seeing your work? I think I've never I've made music videos for other people before. I've yeah. directed two for Sediment Club in the past, but. 
I love making video, and I think it will definitely heighten the aesthetics, which are kind of my goal to kind of bring forth in my, like, coming output in the coming year. Like, I want people to understand the aesthetics that are, to me, associated with my music that I think maybe have gotten lost in the past because I haven't really put out any video components with Sun Kevin and, you know, aesthetics are important. So I'm, I'm trying to push them hard. I think it'll only heighten the, the concept. So, so like uh, to further the metaphor, like your tune skeleton, you're going to put some flesh on it. Yeah, that's a good metaphor for sure. <laughs> and advice, uh, Austin, some yeah. advice. What would you tell somebody young getting into this racket? <laughs> like getting into the music thing. yeah 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 or, or just mean, arts expression yeah i mean it's it's everyone's to to own and have and don't let people tell you that you need to you know pay a middleman or pay them anything any mind you know to like do what you want it's 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 everyone's right to express themselves that way and if you truly want to it's not like everyone has to do that either or you only have value as an artist or a musician but it's I think it's important a lot of people get, you know, that are under the thumb, especially a lot of people that are under the thumb of oppression in America, get pushed under the rug and get ignored and are told they can't do things from the moment that they're born. So they they don't get the, the opportunity to to express themselves in that way. They don't think that they can. And it's it's deep rooted. And I think you just have to you, you ignore these people. You're you're good to do what makes sense because it's just a, a good thing to do. And if you want to develop it into something that's like the forefront of your life, then that's great. You can really construct it any way you want, <laughs> you know? No, man, that's that's great stuff. And I take it to heart. Can I plug one more thing? Go Is ahead, okay? Austin. I have a CD coming out next week that's called Silica Struck Dunes on Roar Records. And I just wanted to plug, uh, my dad has a studio, Super Giraffe Sounds, in Brooklyn at 17 Frost. And he's doing a lot of great stuff, too. He's putting out an album called Swing Your Lantern this coming spring. So I just wanted to do a little plug while I had the opportunity. I'm sorry. I, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's cool. It ain't no Bogart. And I, I would, I can't wait to hear your pop's new record and your new stuff. People, it's been the December 4, 2020 edition. Pedro, she'll keep you powder dry.